crowds were incredible, both the early show and the late show on on um, on Saturday. The audience is not going to be from Austin. They're going to be. I mean, I met folks from Nashville, from Michigan, from from Canada. Ironically, uh, interrupting all the good. Oh, you got tired of it. Uh, <laughs> Chris Rock says quite often with comedians, he says when, when guys go, a joke is not working, he thinks that a large percentage of the time it's because they don't, the audience doesn't understand the premise. Totally. And I think that's, that's kind of further what you're talking to too, is like if they don't believe that what you're saying is factual off the top, it's like, well, we're not going to go with you on the joke ride because we don't believe the original premise mm-hmm. that you're saying in terms of, you know, did you know these facts that they're like, mm, that's not really true. It's like, you need them to believe that first part. Yeah. Like you really do. Fake news. That's fake news. Yeah. I, I question that. I don't and I think, think it's getting worse and worse. Yeah. Of I course. find the same thing when you question a popular belief or value. It's even more because their first initial reaction is to be defensive about that. Of course. Like I have a new bit about swimming with dolphins and how people take photos of swimming with dolphins. And I question whether or not you're, whether you really swim with the dolphins. Yeah. And I'm like, a lot of people have those photos. And it's so I know for the first part of the bit, it's quiet because people are kind of like, well, what, what's wrong with saying that you like, you know what I, mean? I feel yeah. I'm going against the grain of what their social norm yeah. is. And I realize like sometimes going upstream is more fun. Like totally. we've both done lots of debaters for CBC. Yeah. And it, I find it far more entertaining to go upstream. When you get to be the heel. Yeah. You're it's like, great. Cause you can go with a bunch of facts and everyone's like, yeah, we all believe that as well. It's yeah. like, there's no jokes there. But when you get to go in and be like, uh, Marxism is great to like, <laughs> exactly. You know, I had, to sell, uh, I had to sell the Keystone or the XL pipeline idea in Victoria, and I played it the same way as we yeah. thought. I played the greasy salesperson who's like, guys, let me say, oil lake's not a big deal. Okay, they just invent new, they just invent new species of birds. Okay, you know what? A, you know what a crow is? It's a seagull covered in oil. Okay, that's what it is. And like, you could tell they're all uneasy at first, but then they get like, oh, you're just being an idiot. Yeah, and so just, there was laughs with that. Joking. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, if I go in and try to relate, like from a very serious standpoint, defending this pipeline, I go, yeah. there's no way I'm going to get them. So someone going upstream is like, I've asked myself that this year about, I want to do more of that. I want to go like, just challenge yourself more to go. You can go with the crowd and go, we all believe this, but like, what if you go the other way? Yeah. And go, Those are always the funnier bits too, when you can challenge people's beliefs, but not in a way that makes them feel bad. Just mm-hmm. being like, just so you know, here's some of the dumb things about your left wing ideals, you right. know, yeah. stuff like that. Cause so many people are, it's like so much of, uh, of life has become almost dogmatic where people are like, you have to believe this. Right. And as comics, it's like, and also there's just this weird thing where like society's putting it on us to be the ones that are like, you know, yeah. you go. So where's the line? Like, I love that John Stewart thing where they're like, you know, so many people are asking like, how do you know when a comedian goes too far? Where's the line for right. comedy? And he's like, why is no one asking this to politicians? <laughs> how come comedians are constantly being under the microscope of like, you said this, that's unacceptable. But like politicians are bombing thing. People are like, mm, I guess they had to. Well, we don't <laughs> assume it was with for our best interests. It's so true. Like we we're put under a microscope and politicians aren't in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the, the element of uh, like you forget almost that people do have like strong beliefs. Like I tried to do a joke about people who buy wooden letters that say breathe and then put it on the wall and be like, cause you gotta, you just gotta remember. Breathe. And then I was like, yeah. Cause I, you know, I do it as a thing of like, like I'll, I'll do it here when I make fun of BC. I'm like, we don't really look East. We don't look East in Vancouver. We look West. We look at the ocean and we breathe and we just forget that the rest of Canada is keeping us afloat <laughs> yeah. economically. And, uh, and then I was like, yeah, because, you know, people, people, we just love breathing. We buy the word breathe. We put it on our wall. And then some girl in the front row was like, or we get a tattoo that says breathe. No, and she I was like, I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> then I was like, oh, yeah, am I really? Because like, when you make fun of something and somebody has it tattooed on their body, you're just like, oh, well, I mean, it sucks, but it's on you. So I kind of feel bad. <laughs> yeah. that You really believe in that breathing stuff, huh? Okay. Uh, yeah. We all do. You it really that. got me through some hard times. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. And that's, it's this culture now too, I think, where everyone is an expert on something. It's like everybody feels the need to share their knowledge on A, B, or C. And whereas, they expect you to have an opinion about everything too, which yeah. I also do not care for. Yeah. Like, so say, Ivan, what do you think about the Russia situation? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I don't care. I have to. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I care because people, it hurts people. Sure. But like, I don't want to have to read. Yeah. You know, 50 articles just to talk to you for two minutes about it. 
Yeah, I believe like everyone should be entitled to their opinion, but not everyone should be entitled to share that opinion. Like I think because I think there's too much garbage out there and then other people take it as fact. And now that becomes their belief system. It's like like if someone said to me, Trent, like, what do you think about NASA and space exploration? I don't get to have an opinion about that because I don't know shit about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ask me something that I know about, and I can give you an educated opinion about that. But you don't just get to fire your opinion out there willy nilly. Like, well, I I think we should be doing whatever. It's like you don't know. And what then we're you doing can find there. other idiots. Like that's one of the main I think problems with the connectivity of the internet was like people who have a horrible belief find other people that share that belief and, and feel justified. And now it's community. Just because you're a pedophile and you went on the internet and you found other people that like to have sex with kids doesn't yeah. mean that all of you aren't wrong. I know, but it validates <laughs> their behavior now because they found a community of people who also do the same. Because you're like, hey, we're all into it. I'm like, See? so you're all bad. Exactly. That doesn't mean it's you're... It's true. G- like, it's just, okay, yeah, you found other people that are wrong yeah. in the way that they Congratulations. Behave. You're all good. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you're right. I think it's 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 and it's the same with like you know racists in the states or whatever NASCAR yeah. fans. We don't need <laughs> to let these people find each other. Well, that's what I mean. There's strength in numbers, and it's like, well, I'm not the only person on an island by myself. See, there's a bunch of other people who also believe the same thing, so it can't be that wrong. Yeah, yeah, it can. Now there's just more of you yeah, who are wrong. Yeah, yeah. And uh, tell that to the Nazis. It's uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they weren't wrong. There was a lot of them. There was like, a yeah, lot no, of them. They, they all were, had their great. They no, were, it was they had uniforms and they, they met <laughs> at a timely fashion. They, just because <laughs> there was lots doesn't mean what they were doing was not horrible. Yeah. That's a good. That's a great premise, actually. <laughs> yeah, like just because there was lots doesn't mean it was good. It's like we can't be. You know, um, it's a weird thing. So, like, material process for you has that changed? How long have you been doing stand up now? 12 years. 12 years. And your process for developing material, like, how has that evolved, do you think, over the, over the start of your career to now? Like, is, um, is well, I certainly, mater- bits of material are longer now, you know? Like, you write, you write a new joke, and it's about four minutes or five minutes long. Then you cut it down, you know? But, like, when I started, a bit would be, like, two minutes. Yep. It would be, like, observation, one punchline, done. moving on. New topic. Yeah. Whereas now I'll try to explore it from every different angle. And I, I write more, you know, because everybody said, like, the whole idea of, like, Louis C.K. is like, I write from the stage. So then everybody gets that idea and just goes like, yeah, I don't write. I just go up and I do. I'm like, Work well, you, ha- there's, you have to have some plan. So, like, I'll come up with an initial plan for a joke and then I'll do it at open mics, see what works. Then, you know, t- take out the parts that don't get laughs, the parts that do get laughs, amplify them try to add on to that angle. But the hardest part, I think, for me about writing a joke is just deciding on the angle you're going to approach mm-hmm. the idea from. It's the same with debaters. Like, the hardest part about a debate is, like, how am I going to play this? Yep. Like, I got to be for this idea. Am I going to come at it sarcastically? Am I going to come at it from a, from a you know strong perspective from this side of it or am I going to be anti the anti of this or right. what am I going to do? So that part of it is very hard and you almost try it from all the different directions and then once you find an angle that works then I'll take it on stage and work on it more and more and then I'll I'll add and then the bit will balloon out to like you know seven minutes long and then you just cut it, keep cutting it back. Yeah. Are you a pen and paper guy? Do you put anything to paper, or are you kind of more, or your phone, or what? I I of... use uh, Evernote, That's so what I I, too, yeah. I type it out on my computer, and then I will re- I can read it on my phone. Yeah, but it's so I, like it's so hard to write everything out word for word, and then try to memorize it. Like it's, you're so much more like an actor, yeah. and then it comes off rehearsed, scripted. Yeah, like when you're saying it on stage. So it's it's you really have to find a a way of saying things that are. Feel and sound natural, but also yeah, are reliable and are the same words. Yeah, I was I when I first started, I was longhand everything like just oh pen totally to paper like I need to know every single word and yeah. how it goes, and I would rehearse. Take mic out, sip water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look left. Eyebrow here, raised eyebrow here. Like yeah, it was all very calculated. And when you know it after a period of time, there gets to be a level of um, I guess muscle memory with it where you don't. You're not thinking about memorizing it anymore. You just know it, almost like a musician with songs, I guess. Mm-hmm. But then I started to realize, like, wow, this is a really long process to write. So now I start to do, like, a topic, and then it's, like, bullet points of where I think the funny's going to be. Yeah. Take that up on stage, and I go, okay, that didn't work, that did work, whatever. 
Um, and then I try and boil it down from there. But it's, it is a lot of it is just kind of figure out what is my, what is my approach to this topic? Like, yeah. and then you're considering like what else is out there about it? And do I want to stay away from that? Or is my angle so unique? Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if you had this feeling. Like I felt when I first started, I didn't know any rules about stand up. You just get into it and you're like, oh, everything yeah. I think of, I'm going to try and share. Then you get into it for a number of years. You start going to festivals, all those things. You learn what hack is. You learn about all these other comedians out there and what they're doing. And what happened for me, and this was a, a psychological thing in my own mind, I started to narrow the canvas to be like, well, so-and-so talks about that. And Ivan Decker talks about that. And you narrow Dave Meister talks about And all of a sudden I'm like, well, what's left to play with? Exactly. And I felt really, really suffocated where I'm like, I don't know what's yeah. left. And I had to give myself the freedom again to go like, look, it's all up for grabs. It's just a matter of you putting a unique spin on yeah. it. But I felt, I felt suffocated for, for about a year or two. I think that's part of it. Yeah. You know, you reach that level where you're like, now you know. You're like, everybody talks about this. And it's when you first start, you think of an idea and you're like, oh, yeah, that could be a great joke. Mm-hmm. And then like two, three years in, you think of an idea you're like, ah, that's stupid. And then you're like, don't even bother writing yeah. it down. <laughs> yeah. And then you're, you're like, ah, oh, well, how come I can't write anything? It's like, because every idea you have, you shoot it down yes, you're cri- in your you're own cri- brain. Your critic like, steps in and goes, no, that, you're better than that. Find something else. It's like, yeah. but we never even gave it a chance to see if it yeah. could do something. No, I think the good, and it's almost funny because it's, it's, it has to be like cyclical. Like, I think. You start out pen and paper, then you start doing like r- straight riff right on stage, kind of. Bo- I think like I'm almost ready to go back to pen and paper, just like right. full long hand. Yeah, because when I do it, it's amazing what I like when I when I did my album. I d- something I hadn't done in so long was just like I just sat down. And I'm like I'm just gonna write out my 45. I'm just gonna write the whole thing, just long just form, see it. write it out, and it's amazing. Even through writing, you can find word like repeated words you can change or yep. just even syntax problems everything you can really really narrow it down and just make it so much more clean and it's just one pass like one pass of just writing it I know. doesn't take that long and it suddenly becomes such a better act yep and it's amazing how many people just don't do that ever well, well it's just you know when you don't have um it feels like homework. If I wanted an office job, I would have got a job with the thing there. This guy's <laughs> talking about. I thought it was supposed to be fun up there, um, but you're right. Like when you do those little small passes and kind of see where. Wow, that's and I've done it too. Where I've, I put stuff on paper and people would say to me like, "What are you doing?" I go to a coffee shop and I'm sitting there for an hour and a half and I'm just looking at my set list. But I'm not looking at the full joke written out. I'm just thinking about the joke and I'm thinking, "Oh, now that I have it on paper in front of me, I'm going." Man, there's a link to this other bit that I have that I've never, ever seen, ever. I've been doing this for mm-hmm. six months. I never saw that connection before because I had this quiet time off stage to just spend and go, oh, man, that's a connection or a thread I never yeah. saw. Or I can call back to that, whatever. And when you start to think of your act as an entire act, not just a little chunks of, of five minutes. Yes. You know, that was a big thing for me when I, my friends do fringe performances. And, like, their shows are so great because they're thematic. There's an arc. There's... Yeah. Things and it's funny within that, and I'm like, I get the appeal. So if you can try to make your stand, I mean, obviously not too much because if you're too attached to that arc and that theme, then then you sacrifice yeah. the jokes being funny. Like obviously the main goal is to yeah. get laughs. Yeah. But if you can manage to work within that, it's it's pretty exciting. I think it makes for a better show. Yeah. Well, someone too once told me when I first started, they're like this is going to be the most fun it's ever going to be. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't make any money at this. It's like, I've got to scrape by for stage time, whatever. But now you've been in it for a while and you see the other side of things, like the business side of it and all that stuff. Like there was a real innocence to like when you first started. Oh, yeah. When you don't even really know what you're doing. You're, you're just know what so you're doing. excited. You had no reputation, no pressure on you whatsoever, except to just go up and share your thoughts and try and be funny. You know? And it only gets harder. You think to yourself, you're like, oh, it'll be easy once I have it. No, it's not. It's yeah. hard. It's always hard. But I don't think that it's true that it's the most fun then. Yeah. It's I, more fun now than it's ever been for me. But I think you forget about the problems you had back then. I think we just think oh, about definitely. the good times. They feel like nothing. Yeah. It's That's like, why you can't teach stand-up if, you're, if you've been in it for a long time. Yeah. Like, I tried to do a sit-in. My friend teaches a stand-up class, and he's yeah. like, just come and teach, like, you know, a couple of weeks. I got to go out of town. So I came in, and I was like, oh, I don't even... The problems you all have... I can't even... ...at new comedy stage. Yeah. They're like, what do you do if someone's talking? I'm like, what do you do if someone's talking? <laughs> Who fucking cares? What? Do your jokes. What is? Why is that a, an issue? Yeah. 
Holy yeah. shit, that's it's, your biggest problem? They're coming from a fear-based <laughs> thing. I'm like, what are the worst-case scenarios that could happen? You're like, what? Just focus on doing the jokes and doing yeah. good jokes. You don't have to worry about the guy talking. And I'm talking about, like, you know, when you write material, like, you got to make sure that it comes from a personal place and you have to have your own angle right. on it. And, you know, you don't just emulate other companies. But then they're just like, oh, but that doesn't get any laughs. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, you should probably figure that out first. <laughs> oh, you need those, do you? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. But it's like... It's an interesting time, too, because with like someone said to me one day, they go like, oh, if you're Bill Burr or you're CK and you walk into a room and everyone goes nuts or like, you know, they're already with you. I go, yeah, but also think about the standard you set for yourself if you're that person. And this audience is like, well, this guy's considered one of the greatest. You better bring it. And they could be just there working out new stuff yeah. or whatever. So there's a level of fear at every level. Like it doesn't go away just because you're at a certain stage. And it's I think like, that that's important. Like you need that. If you get too comfortable, if you get to a point where brutal, you can walk in the door and kill and you don't need to do new stuff. And it's the worst. That's how you stagnate. Like you have, you have to stay a little bit afraid and a little bit hungry. That's why it's important. And you also have to stay aware of what is hacky. What are these topics? Cause yes. that's always evolving too. Yep. Right. Like, what are the topics you should stay away from? And that's why you have to go to open mics. Because you got to see what these two-year-in comics. Yeah. Like, everybody does a joke about fidget spinners. And you're like, yeah. okay, yeah, maybe I'm Don't not going to. that, yeah. I'm not going to go. Like, Tinder. Tinder was one of the things that kind of came along. Everyone And blew everybody blew it at it. And it was, they all had the same three jokes about it. Yeah. Because, like, the obvious place to go with it. And then it kind of, like, left because they're like, oh, yeah, we're all. But then there was these comics who are, like, established headliners they don't go to those open mics anymore. They're just doing their own thing. Yeah. So then they're coming into town and they're doing a headline set and they're doing Tinder jokes and we're like, nah, that's, we're good on that. Yeah. Like the audience is even like, yeah, it's you're talking about this? Like yeah. that's, so I think it doesn't matter what level you're at and that's why it's like these guys like Louie and, and even Seinfeld like in New York, like you still have to go to the cellar. You got to go to the comedy clubs, see comics that are two years in it's getting made what are they doing what are they talking about and just kind of like because the sensibility of an audience that's why i have so much respect for people who can survive an era because comedy almost has these epochs that change right like the the thing that happens like you look at like road dogs who like their whole act was built to survive the road in the 90s right and they come to a club now and it's like you can't that's what you're doing is gone. Like yeah. that skill set, nobody cares. Yeah. It's like when you have comics still doing jokes about like, yeah, we're not allowed to smoke in a bar. And it's like, <laughs> it's 2017. We've all, yeah. No one in the audience is remembers that time. St- like maybe they do, but they, yeah. they've lived with it for so, it's been 30 years yeah. or whatever. It's not a transitional time for them with regards to that. It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. We've accepted that. They're like, sure, yeah. that's fine. That's, like it's, that's what's bothering you. That's what, <laughs> yeah. Like it's, just that, you know, and there's so many examples like that of like you need to change yeah. what you're going to choose to be passionate about if people are not you no know, if people aren't into that yeah. as a thing like you it's a an audience is a changing thing. Yeah, you're right and kind of what's on the lips of people on a daily basis. I think, you know, for a lot of my stuff I think it's everyday type stuff, so I need to know what's going on every day. And if I lose touch with that, then your act becomes very dated quickly. Like um I, f- I feel like that's what happens in the comic right? when you don't have a boss and that's why we all gravitate to this line of work because it's like you get to do what you want man and make your own schedule and all that stuff but it's that same freedom that can be the killer for you because totally. you don't have to set your own standard you don't have to evolve you don't have to try and keep progressing and moving and you can hang on to that same act for 20 years and it's like you'll probably still get some work but you're never ever going to that next level because you haven't evolved you stopped taking your finger off the pulse of what's what's going on around you and yeah I think and you need to understand like and it's not just because sometimes people will come in and they think that their current event stuff is going to do well. But like the, a good example of that is like Trump, Trump material, because at this point, you know, it's I don't know when this podcast comes out, but it's it's yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> it okay. goes back in time. Like it's May 2017. Yeah. So we're we're well in every it. Trump joke has been made. Yeah, ever. And yeah. at this point, when when people bring up Trump and crowds are like. Ugh. People are like, oh, are they pro Trump? Like, no, they're just tired of hearing about it. It's yeah, it's it's, it's done. Yeah. It's done. It's yeah. just, unless you have the best Trump joke ever. Yeah. Nobody wants. Like, we're good. Yeah. It's everything late... you can say has been said. It's on late night every night. Yeah. Every 
late night show has a team of writers, the best comedians yeah. in North America, 10 of them working to write the best Trump jokes, and they can only get like five minutes a night out of it. And you're going to come in with your one year into comedy Brand and suddenly take. have a take yeah. that's going to change. Like, all these people are going to be like, oh, see, there's the thing we've all been waiting for. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Just why are you even trying? Yeah. So you're right, too. It's like still having your finger on the pulse of what's going on, but also knowing, like, that's almost too much on the pulse where it's like, yeah, that's going to be. And in the middle there somewhere, there's some real fertile ground. Like, I love talking about stuff that. I think is going on with people all the time, but not necessarily talked about all the time. Absolutely. And that's so when the you best mention thing those things, do. they're like, my God, that's our life as well. Yeah. But it's not something everyone talks about on a daily basis. Like Seinfeld was always quoted as saying, I talk about the things that happen in between the things that people talk about. That's exactly it. And that's what you want to do. Yeah. And you want to have that kind of angle on it and you know, talk about things that people are going to connect with but aren't necessarily tired of. Because comedy is a new world now with Twitter – because comedy used to be like it happens at night and just for comedians and just for comedians and like the like the Tonight Show, that was the only comedy show you, that was on. So yeah. like when something funny happened or anything that. happened during the day, in order to hear somebody joke about it, you had to wait till the Tonight Show was on that night. Yeah. Now with Twitter, people are joking about things as they happen. Yeah. So like something happens during a football game at noon on a Sunday. There's already so many jokes that are done about it. By the time it makes it to Monday. It's a hashtag already. To, yeah, yeah. Like when it's Monday night and that late night show wants to talk about that, like why bother? There's been a full 24-hour more cycle of people already joking about it on Twitter. Yep. The best joke has already been retweeted 25,000 times. Yeah. Like it's – we're done. We're done with that topic and we move on. Like comedic topics get chewed up and spat out so quickly which yep. is why I think it's so important to stay personal now yeah. and have things that people are going to connect with but aren't necessarily the things that everybody's tired of hearing about I agree on Twitter all day I think Carlin referred to it as he looks at topics like I always feel like as a comedian our first job is to notice things like that's where you start it's like yeah. people talk about jokes and delivery and all that stuff but like your first job is to notice things either within yourself or within the world you inhabit on a daily basis but Carlin referred to it I think as he would see something and not think of it as in the terms of a joke, but he'd say it has comedic potential. And mm -hmm. he would write it down and then table it. And he said once a week or once a month, he would pull it all out and go, all right, what is it about that thing that like, spoke to me? That, that, and so he goes, it may come right away. It may not. But it's like I know there's something with that that yeah. I can do comedically. It's not there yet, but I know if I spend time with it, I'm going to figure it out. And I think that's kind of more how I approach it too where it's like people think – you know, you talk to people that stand up and they're like, well, nothing funny ever happens to me. It's like, yeah, but you're looking at it from a, a different point of view. I don't, I don't, I, I didn't fall down the stairs today. So like now I'm going to talk about that on stage. Yeah. It's like, and I'm taking something that's a frustration or something that I'm curious patterns. about. You notice patterns. Yeah. And then you take that and that transfers and goes through the filter of you and becomes comedy on the other end. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's just, it's just harvesting those things all the time. Yeah. And it's always time. like when people are like, you know, somebody gets a new pair of glasses and you're like, hey, nice new glasses. And you're like, oh, I can't believe you noticed. I'm like, that's my entire job is to <laughs> notice things. Mm -hmm. It's what I do. It's what my whole life is built on. Noticing. Something has changed. Yeah. Do you get that a lot amongst your people that meet you? It's like, you're going to probably use that in your act. You're going to use that? going to use that? What I just said in your act? You're like, no. I always say yes. No, I was like, yeah. Come tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. The whole thing. Our whole conversation is going to be in my act tomorrow night. There's a comic in Vancouver, Chris James. He has that great joke about. He tells a story about his. Oh right, yeah. The Brussels sprouts. Yeah. If you get a chance, it's on his album. He has a comedy album coming out. Shout so. out! Shout out! Chris shout James. out to Chris James. Funny guy. Funny guy. Nice guy too. Yeah, it's it is a very unique world. And then you're right. You have to take that topic and run it through you and your own sensibilities and go, how do I put my stamp on this and have it come out the other end? And it's it's. It's what's frustrating about it at the same time because you're like, I know there's something in there, but I can't find the key to unlock that bit. Yeah. That drives me mad. Yeah, you know? and I want to solve that puzzle. And yeah. that's what I think that you have to love that about yes. comedy. You can love the attention. You can love getting laughs. You can love the social aspect of it if there is one. Right. But the main to keep in this game, the most important thing that I think you have to be able to enjoy is – the ability to t to solve that puzzle, to take that topic or that new thing and make it into something funny. That needs to be, like, you know, for me, that's the most fulfilling part. 
yes, I can tell an old joke and kill and get laughs, but there's nothing quite like writing a new piece of material and have it start working oh, really well. That's the best well. feeling in the world. That's what it is. And it's, you know, it's like you don't become a baseball player because you like being in front of a crowd. Like yeah. that's... No. <laughs> there's a lot of other ways you can get in front of people yeah. and do a thing. So you got to love baseball. You have yeah. to love swinging that bat. Yeah. Or else, why are you here? I agree. And I think that's the true... If there's any real true happiness to be found in this racket, it's it's that it's that feeling of I had an idea or a thought. It started as nothing. It it's now spent time with it. I've tried it numerous times, and now it's gone from nothing to now this chunk of material. And you did that on your own with effort and and trial and sweat and all those things. But I think if if you come from the other way of like oh, I just want to be up on stage and there's girls and there's whatever, you're never going to be happy. Like it'll never be enough for you. Yeah. And this part is just that joke writing part is just well, who wants to do that? That's the, yeah. No one sees that. I don't get any. Uh, it's that's like, the work part. Yeah, that's not no, that's fun. That's the fun all. part. And I think you're right. The people that have a long career in this, I believe, and probably in anything you do in life, if you have a real true love and passion for the nuts and bolts part of it, like the actual inner workings of it you have a shot at having a long career because the other stuff's going to be fleeting. It's going to be festivals that you get or you don't get. There's going to be the shows yeah. that are I mean, and you're or- always going to have a show that is the best show. You know, like you do, and you're not going to get them very often, yeah. you know, unless you're Chris Rock. But even, I'm sure even Chris Rock is like, oh, I'd much rather do Carnegie Hall than, you know, this stadium in Nebraska. Like, right. Of course, like we have venues, we have shows we've done that have been unbelievable. You know, when you do a show at a theater or whatever your chosen thing is, where you have a crowd that just clicks, yeah, and the show's so good that you're like, how the hell do I go back? How do I go back to a club in Edmonton? Yeah, and they don't, and it's like stag at parties and people are blah blah. I'm like, I just did a, a, you know. 5,000 seat theater of people that were stoked yeah. to be there for comedy. They all paid Energy money. And, yeah. They were so happy. And every joke was like a wall of sound. And they were hanging on every word because it's a theater and there's great sound and there's great, great lighting. lighting. And you can move around on the space. You're not on a shipping pallet that's rocking back and forth. <laughs> yeah. And you have to find a way to go from that and take that energy and still put the effort in that you put to that show to the shipping pallet show in yep. a warehouse for a bunch of inland Kenworth truckers. Exactly. Who are great people. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, like when you think about that concept of just enjoying the nuts and bolts of it and I think it's like an athlete, right? Like only one team wins the Stanley Cup every year. So you better find something else to enjoy yeah. other than the fact that you may your chances of you having a parade at the end of the season are pretty slim. So... You know, have you evolved your game? Can you do things now that you couldn't do last season? Like, just on a personal development basis. But I feel now, and maybe just because we've been in it long enough, but there's more and more people get involved in stand-up that I think just see it as, hey, here's a way for me to have an actual, I don't know what to call it, almost like a live Facebook experience. An identity. Like, I get to be, I get attention for seven minutes. Yeah, And you all got to shut up and listen to me, and I get to tell my thing. It's like... Oh, you're not in this because you love the craftsmanship of of building an act or jokes and these building blocks or whatever. You're in it because no, no, I get all these other bells and whistles and look at me, everybody. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's fine, but this you're probably not going to survive in this. This is not what you think it is. You yeah, know? you're going to reach a point where you get bored. Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, I could have just been a salesman. Be <laughs> making way more money. Yeah, it's just, uh, but I think you're right. During the darkest times. Those are the things that get you through is those little nuggets of – because I think we enjoy – and you spoke to it earlier. We enjoy creating more than we enjoy regurgitating. We enjoy the fact that you can still find those creative juices and make something from nothing more than saying an old bit that you know works. And don't get me wrong. That laughter feels good. Yeah, but because the- you still wrote that original joke. And that almost can be the basis of a lot of the fear of doing new stuff, of convincing yourself that you're not the person you used to be. Right. I'm not as smart as I was. I'm not as hungry as I was. I don't know how to write jokes like that anymore. I don't know how I did that. Who was that guy? Who? Yeah, who I've changed, mm. but I don't know how. Like, I'm not the person who can write jokes anymore. It's, and weird. it's like, yeah, you are. Yeah, it's like you wrote that bit. You can I, do it again. I remember thinking. I remember thinking that like, 
that's as good as I'm, that's as good a bit as I'm ever going to write. I remember feeling that at three years. I'm Absolutely, like, yeah. That will always be my closer. I yeah. remember having that yeah. entire conversation myself. Oh yeah. And now you look back and go like, oh god. Am I ever going to write a, a bit that's yeah. better than that? That's it. That was my greatest hit. That was it. I ain't topping that. I'm like three years into stand up. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what that was. Like where that came from. Maybe it's just a feeling of. Wow, I've put a lot of work into this thus far, and uh, clearly that's my greatest hit, and uh, yeah. I'll hang my hat on that. And then you realize, like, I still feel like my best work is still ahead of me. Like, I still feel with life experience and writing experience yeah, and in the world of stand-up that the next thing you write could be your greatest thing. As well, you only to get better. Yeah. And if, if, you, if you maintain the work ethic. Yes. Like, obviously you're going to get worse if you never write. And that's when you get better, because you get mad you hate yourself, but and you hate new comics that are. That's when, like, when you find yourself hating comics that are one year in when they have a good set, and you're like, hey, who does who do they think they are? And it's like, come on, yeah. like if you're mad about this, you're not mad at them. Yeah, you're threatened by his hunger. Yeah, you're threatened by his enthusiasm for this and the hunger. That's what and you like, want, and you remember that used to be you. Like she's coming in here with with a new five every week, and you're just oh, yeah. like, I got a new tag for my. I got one new tag. <laughs> I changed the I changed the blockbuster joke because blockbuster's gone. Now it's just uh, this other video place. What do you guys yeah. think? Oh, it totally changes the dynamic of that bit. Yeah, that's crazy. Great, great stuff. Just, that's great. Fantastic. Get some new material. Fantastic stuff you got going there. But it, yeah, it, it is. It's a weird time, I think, for stand up in that regard, where you know everyone's pumping out these hours every year, and so that's almost the new standard now. And now you've heard arguments from some pretty established comics saying like. A year is not enough to put out no. some really great material. Take and it your needs time. time to shape and it needs time to kind of ripen a little bit. And uh, But it's really weird. And, and you wrote a post about this on Facebook just about kind of the new comedy career and what it looks like as opposed to how it was back <laughs> back in the day. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, There's so many sh- more things that, that we're expected to do than just be a comedian. Now it's like you got to have like Twitter game. What's your Snapchat story all about? Yeah. How's your Instagram follower count? <laughs> yeah. Did you do a comedy album yet? You should do an album first before you ever do a five-minute <laughs> set at a club. <laughs> do that first. Get your friends. Become good at networking. Book a show and fill it with your friends. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. really important. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was always kind of part of it. Like, you know, when you see a new comic that like it's their first time ever and then when they announce, the MC announces their name, the crowd goes crazy and you're like, Oh. oh well, they have friends in they the brought, audience. Like, from that's work not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always thought that was a great. Uh, I, I don't think I ever did that. I think my first time on stage was just an open mic, and I went and I didn't know anyone there, and I did well. So the second time I was on stage was a contest that I naively <laughs> entered, and I brought a bunch of folks from work, and I ate it like it was so bad. And now I got to face these people at work on a yeah. daily basis, and I'm like, I don't know. So when I see people do that now, I'm like. Also, if you go, you do well and you win the contest, like that's not a real audience. You've brought, you've loaded the deck in your favor. It's, yeah. like, it's going to work. Now you're going to be sent to Northern BC somewhere and go, but everyone loved the jokes. Yeah, about yeah. It. It's like, oh no, these people don't know you and they don't care. It's yeah. just, so now you're really getting measured in a real comedy environment. Also, so. how, uh, how short of a time have you been doing stand up that you still have that many friends? <laughs> yeah, they still all, they still all like you. And, like, uh, I don't have time to maintain these kinds of social relationships. It's so true. I'm doing a show every night. If you're not another comic that's at that show, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't be friends with I you. I don't know you. Like, I don't have time. Every, I, every night, I'm out, you yeah, know? Yeah. I find it funny because co- comics often say I've been doing it this many years. And so, you know, you hear comics complaining to bookers or agents saying, I've been doing stand-up this many years, and uh, I should have blah, blah, blah. Like, they've written a timeline in Years doesn't matter. It's ice time. That's what I think. I'm sitting on the bench. That's exactly my doesn't average. matter. And if you're doing the same act for all those years, like, the number of years doesn't matter. It's like, yeah. are you growing? Are you evolving? Are you trying new things? Um, and pushing yourself to do things on stage that you probably didn't do a year ago or two years ago, and you want to bring in a new element to yeah. your act. It's like, that's what really matters in terms of evolution. The amount of years doing it, there's some, you know, I mean, level of comfort on stage, all those things, I guess, over time, you have an advantage there. But I really feel like there's people holding on to an old model sometimes. Well, there's an ego thing, right, where they, they've reached a certain point where they get treated a certain way around the other comedians because... Like I just mentioned, your social scene is gone. This is your new social scene. Right. So these relationships are very important to you because these newer comics treat you very well because they're like, oh, this person's so funny. Right. Now you're afraid that if you come in with new stuff and it doesn't go well. You've gone back down. They're going to go like, oh, I, I, I'm doing better than 
I'm doing better than Ivan Decker now. I'm yeah. going to take his place. Right. But, you know, you can't be afraid of that because it doesn't matter. You've created it all in your Who head. Who cares? Yeah, you've Nobody cares. If you bomb on one show, no one's going to be like, oh, Ivan's lost his touch. Yeah. And so good. Maybe maybe good. Yeah, let them think that. Yeah. No, you're right. let that motivate you to come back in two weeks and be like, oh, I bombed a week ago and now I'm smashing with that same material. Yeah. And you're still at the same. Well, wasn't that the greatest compliment at an open mic when you run into other comics? They're like, dude, that was all new stuff. I don't even care if it went well. I'd rather yeah. someone come and go like, man, that was like a brand new 10 minutes. It's like. Yeah, and they of... notice it. You don't say it. Yes, they say it. You don't say it yeah, to yeah. somebody. Hey, else. guys, everybody, can I get everyone's attention? I was a brand new 10 minutes, everybody. Yeah, I'm doing all new. Know, so. just, or when you preface the set with it. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm doing all new tonight. Just to so. let you guys know here. I heard a comic one time say this. He, he was doing new stuff at an open mic, and it wasn't going well. And this guy has been around a long time, long before you or I were doing it. And uh, it wasn't going well. And then he's like, all right, enough fooling around. It's time to give you guys the gold. And he said it out loud into the oh, mic. And no. it was his tried and true stuff. And that also fell of flat. Course. It's like. You didn't just set that up with now here comes the gold because they're like, okay, well, because that other stuff sucked, so uh, yeah. bring it. And, of course, they just weren't digging him at all. So I was like, yeah, never, ever say that into a microphone. You can think it in your head like, I'm going to try and save face here right now with something older yeah. that's going to get a laugh to leave. You don't say it into the mic. Because most of the time it's not the material. If you're not doing well, it's not the jokes. Most of the time it's you. Yeah. And – and the way you're delivering the jokes, the confidence that you put behind it. Because yeah. I did an experiment very early on in comedy. And I know it's wrong. Like, I shouldn't have done it. But it didn't matter because I was in a bar. And it was like a crappy show. And nobody was doing well. And I, I remember just thinking to myself, like, you know, why, why isn't this why isn't this show working? Does nobody have good enough material? Or is it is it the people? So I decided that I was like, I'm going to go up and I'm going to do, I'm going to alternate one of my jokes and then I'm going to do a joke from a famous comedian. So I did like, I did like one of my bits. I did like a Chris Rock joke. And yep. then I do my bit. I do a Seinfeld joke, my bit, Hedberg bit. And then it was like, yeah, you know, everything got the same level. So right. It didn't matter. They weren't just like killing themselves at these obviously great bits. Right. That, um, that the masters of comedy had written. Right. And then not laughing at mine. Right. It was all me. It was, it was the delivery. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I just had the best material in the world that I yeah. was saying. It didn't matter. Still nothing. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't really, the material is, is part of it, sure. Yeah. But mostly it's how you deliver it. And yeah. in those like no win scenarios, sometimes people just don't like comedy. Yeah, yeah. They don't want it to be happening. Yeah. I feel like, too, in every crowd, there's the guy who he wishes he was a comedian and that he had the nerve to do that. And so when he's with his lady and she's really laughing, he gets his back up about that because sure. he's like, you don't laugh at me like that. That's what he's thinking. He feels really insecure yeah. in that it's moment. Basic male instinct. Yeah. Thing. Alpha. Like, you think he's funnier than me? Really? Really? You don't laugh at me like that. Like, there's that attitude. And sometimes I've been in bars where... It's full of those people. Yeah, right? they're like, all that. And it's like the girls are laughing and the guys are like, no, I, don't really I don't think it's that. You know, like, I don't know what she's laughing at. I mean, it's like she gets drunk, man. She's on the. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's like, like when like, someone goes. No, I don't think it's that. It's like if you tell somebody you're a comic and they go like, all right, tell me a joke. And then it's like you're already you've already decided not to laugh at it. Yes. I don't even need to say it. No. I can tell by your face and your body language yeah. right now. That you don't want this joke to work. You've already decided the outcome. So you can hold yeah. it over me and be like, that oh, wasn't that good. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't get maybe, it. Maybe one day I won't be a bouncer and I'll take your job. <laughs> I'm like, look, man, I don't care. I'm not like. I don't want to be here. I'm not I, like, hey, uh, beat that guy up. Oh, that wasn't that impressive. I'll show you to beat a guy up. You didn't even just... break his collarbone. Like, I'm not <laughs> There's doing no standard that. here, yeah. But that's why I feel like there's certain cities and towns and areas of the country I find that you go to in general. I mean, it's a blanket statement, but I think in general. They're kind of already with you. Like they're like, we know why we're here. We get it. It's not even geographic. I think it's just the the show that they're going to see. Right? Yeah, but there's people who do go to a comedy show who have no intentions of, of enjoying it, of enjoying it, or being open to new ideas. And, it's, and I concept. think it's it's even uh, somewhat of a Canadian thing too, because in Canada, you see somebody at a comedy club, and then you never see them again. You go to a comedy club in the United States. That person could be on TV next week. True. And you'll be like, oh, we saw him. So it's like there's that more, there's that excitement. Fast track. I think. So yeah. people are, when they go to a comedy club, they're like, we could be seeing the next star. Whereas yes. in Canada, nobody thinks that. No, you're right. Like we're going to see some loser. Right. We might see this guy at our Christmas party in two years. Like yeah. that's. Or we saw him last year, two years ago at our Christmas party. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And yeah. so they have this 
this skepticism, I think, that's so... I don't understand why. And I've thought about it, and I think one of the reasons is that telling people that you didn't have a good time at something is a better story. Yeah. Because it's it makes you seem like a... Uh, you're more value. You're a more valuable character in the story if you didn't enjoy yourself, right? So you t- you go to the office and you say like, "Oh, we went to a comedy show. It was so bad. Why would I? I didn't even. I'm funnier than that guy." And they can make it personal and they can they can get a leg up socially from it. Yes. Whereas if you go to a club and you say like, <clears throat> "We went to a comedy club. We saw this guy. He was so funny." Now you're talking about this other person. You're not talking about yourself. So that's your selfishness, your ego is not allowing you to just relinquish the that's a good point. kind of, you know, uh, high value to this other person. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think people want to not have a good time almost so that they can feel good about themselves. Yeah. Comes from an ego. They're not even willing to relinquish a complete stranger doing their job. Yeah. Like our whole job is to tell jokes and yet you're still and- not going to allow... Yeah, and not only is it to tell jokes, it's to make you feel good. Like, that's the whole purpose, and you're fighting it. And we want to do that, That's too. the only reason we're here. Yeah. We want you to have a great time, yeah. and you're still just like, yeah, we'll see. Didn't like it. Here's why I didn't like it. I think you're right. People really find power in, um, in complaining now. It's a real thing that people love to do. Uh, my wife and I rented a condo in Maui a bunch of years ago. It was right on the water, like literally on a beach. So we get to this condo, looked at it online. And it looked great in the photographs. We get there, get inside, beautiful, clean, all the, everything you need. You know, it's amazing. Wakeboards, everything in the closet, beautiful. Uh, all the reviews for this thing on Yelp were like just, you know, just this place is amazing. And then one review <laughs> said, waves were too loud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's- I go, that's where we're living. That guy's always out there in the world. That's the same I, when I was in Disneyland, same thing. When I was in line at Disneyland... One of the things I did to entertain myself was go on Google or Yelp and look up one-star reviews of Disneyland. Oh, my God. Because that's insane. <laughs> what are you doing? It's the happiest place on earth, and they're killing it. They're th- and so, but there were so many. They were just like, one star, too many people. Mm. I'm like, yeah, that's its whole thing. That's because people go there because it's Because popular. it's the greatest. Didn't like the hockey game. Too crowded. Too many people in, yeah, in the yeah, sitting yeah. there. Too loud. And that's where we live right now. Like, So when you think about that... You'll feel like they're entitled. Yeah, which I think I've, I've actually – it's taken some of the pressure off me, I found, over the last year or two. Because at first, when I first started, you have this – maybe it's an ego-driven desire that we all have, and especially as a performer, that you want everyone to like you and you want, you want to be liked by everyone. And you get into a certain stage where you realize like, there's people who think the Beatles sucked, right? So <laughs> you, you're up there going, no, 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 <laughs> I'm going to bat a 1,000. It's like, no, you're not. There's going to be yeah. – there's a certain demographic of people who are going to get Ivan Decker or get Trent McClellan or get whoever, Damon Schritter or Erica Sigurdsson, whatever. And you have to be happy with that and go, wow, thank you so much for your support. I yeah. love it. But to expect that all people will be digging what you do is such a stupid Insane thought process idea. to have. Yeah. And none of that will lead to misery and you'll never be happy because you're not going to win that. Ever. Because there's so many people out there that also feel like they need to hate something just because other people like it. Yeah. Like whenever I meet somebody that's like, I hated Seinfeld. That show was terrible. I'm like, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> like I just, you're just, you're just stupid. You're the dumbest person I know. Like if you ever, and then always you are, you ask how many episodes have you watched? And like, oh, I watched like half of one. one I didn't like it. I'm like, you didn't even give it a chance. Yeah. You just hated it because it was popular. Yeah. You wanted to hate it. Anybody that tells me that they didn't like, I'm like, you can't, or the Simpsons. Like, oh, I hated it. What do you mean you hated it? Nobody hated The Simpsons. Yeah. It was the best show ever made. Yeah. What the hell is wrong with you? But you're right. The sample size is so ridiculously small that their opinion is almost irrelevant. It's like, but that's where we are now. Like but Facebook like gives them power. <clears throat> yeah, but like Facebook. You're how sophisticated I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Facebook, I love these Facebook shares where people go, look at this. What do we feel about this? And it's like some clearly hoaxed article, but they haven't even read the article. They've just seen the headline. Of course. And, and it already fits in with their belief system, so they just share it. Look at this, further proof to believe. It's yeah. like, did you even read this? This is The Onion, by the way. This is not even yeah. a real article. But like, that's where we, and here's the scary thing. These people are also voting. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. they vote with the same amount of research or lack thereof and go, this is my candidate and this is who I yeah. believe. And it's like, do you even know what that person's saying? They're going to bring jobs back. Yeah. Not all jobs are good. 
exactly. You know, like if all those jobs are like shoveling dead kids off the road, you shouldn't have that. Sure, a that's a job, but maybe you should see why all the kids are dying. All right, let's go back that way. That's what the job <laughs> should be: finding out why these kids are in the street dead. That's a problem. Nah, job kids jobs shoveling. Are jobs. I need to get my benefits. <laughs> damn it! And you're right. It's like we've become this. No, that's why I, I almost feel like the fact that stand-up comedy is still a job in 2017. When you think about cell phones and YouTube and on-demand television and all this, people want to go now, to a now. live thing and be in the room and feel that experience. But that's what I mean. People are going to shut that off, sit in the dark quietly, and listen to a stranger. Usually, sit and listen to a stranger about their thoughts and let their armor down enough to be open-minded enough to let themselves laugh. In 2017, the fact that that's still a profession is somewhat insane. To it's me. cool, and it's and you still see young people doing it. It's not like a dying thing either. No. It's not like the crowd is all, you know, no. like I think to a, to a younger, almost technologically indoctrinated generation, it's even more special because they're like, oh, this is so neat. Yeah. I get to just be. It's not my phone. There's a human connection here. Yeah. There's a person talking and they feel what I feel. And there's that yeah. feelings thing. I think you're right, too. Like there's when you're on stage and you're doing this and you're engaged in the show itself and people are sitting there. It's all those subconscious um, um, communication things we're picking up on as well with in terms of vibe and you know, um, body language, all those things that you get during a live performance. And I think people still feel a sense of connection because you're with a bunch of other people. You're all laughing at the same time, which means we all are sharing this thought process at the yeah. same time. So in a world where these things are supposed to phones and things are supposed to connect us, and it re- sometimes it doesn't, you now feel a sense of connection where you're like, I never had that. So for yeah. an hour and a half, you feel part of a small community. You get to be a part of something. Yeah. And it's why, it's, that. you know, it's why sporting events are, are so great and always will be. Like, I don't think the fact that you can tape the game is, is you know, going to not make people go watch it live. Like, right. being in the arena when someone scores or and you everybody cheers together, it's, there's nothing like that. It's euphoric, yeah. You can't replicate that with a, with a phone. Like, yeah. Even being in a bar watching a game with other people to cheer at the same time as you and, and feel connected it's a big part of it. And I think that the, the live element, it's, it's like people who are like, I've never gone to live stand-up. And then they go and they're like, that was so amazing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm still amazed at that. Like I see people after shows and they're like, yeah, it's our first time going. And they're like 45 years old. And I'm like, you've never been to a stand-up comedy show? Or they like, I went once and it was really bad. Because the problem is like a bad stand-up show it can turn it, you off. It'll turn the medium, yeah. If you go to a show and it's horrible, you're like, ugh, we I never like want to do that again. We don't like stand-up. <laughs> like, yeah. No, no, you didn't like that stand-up. Yeah. We went to a movie. It was bad. We don't like movies. We don't it's go like, to movies oh, you don't enjoy anymore. films? No, never again. Um, it is, yeah. It, it's one of those things, I think, too, where people still love that shared experience, which is so cool. And I think back to the first comedy show that I went to, and I had to put myself back in those shoes and remember how amazed I was at that moment of yeah. being like, wow, this is so different than watching it on television. And I remember the energy in the room and everyone walking out of there on a cloud, almost like watching a Rocky movie where you walk out and you're like, man, this is awesome. They're all doing jokes to each other. Everybody thinks they're funny. Yeah, it's just a positive show. vibe after a good comedy show. <laughs> People feel good. But again, there's still a handful of folks out there who are like, no, never been, never checked one out. It's like, wow, we have three full-time comedy clubs in this city. I don't care city. much for laughter. I don't really like, I was at a party once and some girl, <laughs> this guy was working the tunes at the party and, this girl was kind of just long face, like not really enjoying herself. And he goes, uh, hey, uh, is there any music you want to hear? She goes, I don't really like music. It's like, really? No music at all? Like country? No, no I don't like music. And the fact that you made a blanket statement about music in general, yeah. it's like, wow, there's no series. What do you of- put on at your house when you're washing the dishes? <laughs> you get just married? the news. I like to hear about any any cute dogs that have died. Yeah, I put that on. Anything <laughs> that starts to become melodic, I turn off immediately. I just don't enjoy the concept of I don't it. Like it. Um, talk radio. Talk only radio in the car. Okay, well, get ready to wrap this up. Um, you are going to be going to the United States of the America. I mean, that's not for sure. I mean, you don't know. Sure. You don't even know if it's going to happen. I have no idea. Maybe you won't. I'm trying. I'm paying money to try, but will they let me in? I don't know. Isn't that interesting that you have to pay money to try? To try to go there? <laughs> it's like, I want to go there. Ah, give us some money. We'll see what happens. You know what? No, you're not going. Okay. Yeah, well, try. You give them like a bunch of money and spend two years of your life. Oh, it's terrifying. And they're just like, yeah, nah. Um, we we're looked good. at it. And you know what? Not right now, but. Uh, um, I think you'll do smashingly well. I think you, it will happen for you, and you will you will crush it down there, sir. You will do I amazingly so. well. It's because um, I, I got fed that baloney too about you know Canadian audiences versus American audiences, and it's like 
Oh man, I feel like funny is funny. If you're a good communicator of your, what you do and you know, you know, you have to make sure everyone has the same reference point, but it's like, people are people. It's like, it's not that big of a jump to be, and, and American comics have come to Canada for years. Yeah. Um, they don't, they're not like, you know, unless you're calling something a JC Penny and we don't have a JC Penny. It's like, that's the only difference. It's like yeah. the people are people and they get what you're trying yeah, you to do. You know, convey. when you're at CVS, oh, what's he talking what's about? That? What's he doing? CVS. I, I drive a CVS. Is that what he's, that's a, that's a <laughs> slang for civic up here. Um, but it's like, I remember going down there and doing my first show and, and it going well. And I remember thinking like, okay, I got that monkey off my back. Like I can just relax now and start to just do, yeah. just get back to myself. But before I had it built up so much in my head, like this is America and I'm playing America. And like, this is who invented stand up comedy. And it's like, you just like go into this weird place in your head. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are you just, just go up there and do what they're you do. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. They're not going to laugh at the same things Canadians laugh at. It's like, what is that? What are you, what's going yeah. on there? We so, live, we love, we laugh. We have heartache. We buy those three words. We put them on our wall. <laughs> call back to an earlier piece. Uh, <laughs> I love the call back in the uh, thing. Well, buddy, thanks for chatting and stopping by. It was good to, to hang oh, out. Yeah. You're at the Laugh Shop all weekend. And uh, I'm sure me. shows will go well. And uh, we'll see you down the road. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, buddy. Bye. Okay, bye. That's how it all started. Like a whisper in your ear You told them you loved them And ran as fast as you could It's not to be taken lightly Then you never were Your fingers bleeding, your body aches From the thunder in your heart So you laid on the line, blindfolded and chalk marked, like a good little soldier, knew just what you were. Can you give up now? Can you turn this around? Can you keep your heart beating? 